I've always had a fascination with lighthouses. And I suspect that part of that uh, fascination is the fact that lighthouse, lighthouses serve a purpose. And that was to save lost souls. And so there's kind of a relationship between a lighthouse and what we do. And I've visited several lighthouses over the years. And I've heard that they're not used anymore, even though you may find a lighthouse that still is functional with technology and, and, and GPS and things of that nature. Lighthouses are no longer needed. And I thought how sad that really is because a lighthouse kind of represents Christ. That He's a lighthouse that's out there shining His beacon of hope so that people can hear that message and be saved from salvation or saved from uh, sin. But unfortunately, many people have replaced that lighthouse, replaced Jesus with something else. But we need to realize that that lighthouse is something that is important. I'm reminded of the words that Joe McLaughlin, I didn't mention to Deb beforehand, I didn't get here early enough to tell her I was going to mention Joe's name. But I remember years ago when he would lead this song, let, let the lower lights be burning, on occasions he would remind us of who those lower lights were. And those lower lights would be us. Those of us that are Christians. The history behind this song that I've read, it says it was suggested by a story that the preacher Moody used to tell. He said, On a dark stormy night when the waves rolled like mountains and not a star was to be seen, a boat rocking and plunging near the Cleveland Harbor. Are you sure this is Cleveland? asked the captain, seeing only one light from the lighthouse. Quite sure, sir, replied the pilot. Where are the lower lights? Gone out, sir. Can you make the harbor? We must or perish, sir. And with a strong hand and a brave heart, the old pilot turned the wheel. But alas, in the darkness, he missed a channel. And with a crash upon the rocks, the boat was shivered. And many a life lost in a watery grave. Brethren, the Master will take care of that great lighthouse. Jesus will always be that light to the world. God will make sure that He's always available. But it is our responsibility, yours and mine, to keep the lower lights burning. And so we're looking at this song tonight, and I hope that you are still open to that song so that you can follow along, and also with the Bible that you can follow along in the verses that we're going to be talking about. Because the song was compiled in 1871 for John Church and Company in Cincinnati, Ohio. And according to the first stanza, the first verse, God's mercy is that great light that is used to guide us. It says, "...brightly beams our Father's mercy." from the lighthouse evermore. But to us He gives the keeping of the lights along the shore. When you think about that lighthouse and the beams that flow from it, here we see a picture that is trying to describe the mercy of God. God has a desire for us all to be saved. He wants everyone to be saved and no one to be lost. And so He beams His mercy out to all people. He wants them to realize that there's a Savior that has been born, 
And that Savior died on the cross for our sins. In Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 4, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace ye are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. As it says there in that very first verse that I read, God is rich in mercy, and He has great love for us, and He wants us to be saved. He wants you to be saved, and He wants people out in the world to be saved. And we need to understand that we're not saved by the works that we do. Even though God expects us to be workers, He expects us to live up to the responsibilities that He has given us as a Christian, but none of those things in and of themselves will save our soul. We will always need the blood of Christ to cleanse us. And so we are saved by God's mercy that He extends a plan for us to have salvation and it's through our faith and our obedience to that plan that we have salvation. Without God's mercy, we would be in a lost condition. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, it says, "...but God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us." And so we were in a miserable state. We were in a lost state. Some of the things that we talked about this morning and we talked about last week, the condition that sin leaves us in. You hear a lot of talk about bondage. Well, we need to understand that sin puts us in bondage. And Jesus came so that we could be free. And yet we are the servants of Him. That word servant sometimes gets a bad rap. But think about the life that we are to live here on this earth. We are to be servants of God. Do His will, not our will. And so we need to understand that. In Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, "...not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost." And so we're saved by the mercy of God. If we got what we deserved, every one of us would be lost. But we can thank God for that lighthouse, that Jesus Christ who came to this world and died for our sins. This mercy is pictured in this song as that lighthouse. The light pouring out from it. Because God is light, and we must walk in His light to find salvation and heaven. In 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, it says, This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. There we find that not only is God light, but there is absolutely no darkness in Him. And we need to walk in fellowship with Him. That means that we're not living a life where we're walking in darkness. We're striving to the best of our ability to walk in the light as He is in the light. And sometimes when we're striving, we do make mistakes. We stumble. We sin. But He's provided a way for us again because of His mercy so that you and I can have the forgiveness of sin as a Christian. And we need to be thankful for that. But unto us, as the song says, He gives the keeping. As Christians, we have a responsibility 
of reflecting His light so that they can be like the lower lights that help people find the right way. We are to be that example out there in the world. Brethren, I'm not sure we really comprehend the importance of being an example. I've heard people over the last few weeks that have said, there are so many people that have let me down because I looked up to them and, <clears throat> and I don't anymore. And sometimes the problem is we got our sights on the wrong in the wrong place. We're all humans. And we need to have our focus on Christ. We need to have our focus on God. But we also as Christians need to realize that we are an example, an influence on people around us. And so God has not given us a spirit of fear. He wants us to be strong. He wants us to realize that He's with us. We've preached sermons, or I've preached sermons over and over the last few months that I hope encourages us to put our trust in God. That life is uncertain. We have no promise of tomorrow. And the last time I checked, everyone dies at the end of this life. We're all going to die. Are we supposed to be afraid of death? No. As Christians, we're supposed to look forward to it. Now, I know many times we fail to look forward to it because of the people that are around us. That we're concerned about them. We don't want them to be left alone. But we need to remember our affections are set on things above. But we have a responsibility to let that light reflect. In Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God that worketh in you both to do or to to will and to do His good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. You see, our, our existence here on this earth as Christians, is to serve God. It is God which worketh in you both to, to, do, to will and to do His good pleasure. So while we're here on this earth, we realize that there's a light, that God is light. That light is to reflect in our lives. And it should illuminate those around us. They should see the hope that we have in Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse 15, <coughs> To sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope which is in you with meekness and fear. Why would someone ask you about your hope? Why would someone want to know why you have such hope? And I believe the answer is simply this. They can see that hope that you have in your life. Because you're demonstrating that, that hope by your life, your influence, your example that you're setting around them. According to the second verse of the song, sin is the darkness that requires our light. 
As the song says, dark the night of sin has settled. Loud the angry billows roar. Eager eyes are watching longing for the lights along the shore. The Bible refers to sin as darkness and night. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Have no fellowship. Don't involve yourselves in those things that are sinful. Don't associate with people that are going to lead you astray. Yes, we are to be an example and to try to help them to see the light. And when they see us compromise our values, what the Bible teaches us, because I believe that a lot of people out there really understand and know what a Christian is supposed to be. And when they see us compromise that, it doesn't help our influence. It doesn't lead them to Christ. In fact, you'll hear people say, I don't want to be a part of that group. If that's where he goes or she goes, then I don't want to be a part of it. Why is that? You see, we have an influence on people for good or bad. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 5. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Again, there's a reference to darkness and night. Those in the world, those that are living in sin, are referred to as night and darkness. Those who are faithful to our Lord are referred to as light and day. And as it is with ships sailing along the shore during a storm, the angry billows could represent anything, such as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. It could represent the doctrines of men that cause people to follow them and be lost. It could be the love of money and the desire to have more sinful things. Things which toss souls to and fro from one side to the other and drown them in destruction and perdition. Listen to what the Bible tells us. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, "...that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine." by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. There are people out there that know what they're doing. They know that what they're teaching is not what the Bible teaches. And yet they continue to teach it and people follow it because that's what makes them feel good. Don't be like that. Don't be tossed about with every whelm of doctrine. Don't listen to things that are not true. Study the Bible. Know what the Bible teaches. Understand what He wants us to do. And then don't trust someone else with your soul. Realize that's the most valuable possession that you have. And realize that you need to take care of it yourself through your obedience to God. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 9, "...but they which will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in, in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You look at our world today. 
And I'd venture to say that many of the problems that we have today are there because of the love of money. People wanting more and more and more and more. Children neglected at home because mom and dad want more money, want more stuff, more possessions. We need to be careful when it comes to money. And sometimes that desire to be rich will cause us to forsake our Lord, shirk our responsibilities that we have as Christians, and in the end, it can cause us to be lost if we don't change our ways. Jesus taught, In vain do they worship Me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men, following false teaching. is isn't going to do us any good. Jesus said, In vain they do worship Me. I don't want my worship to God to be vain. And that's why it's so important that we make sure that our heart and our spirit is all into this and that we're doing it in, in, in truth. Doing it according to God's will. Doing what He wants us to do. Living faithful to Him. There may well be souls who are looking at lights, or looking for lights to help them cast their anchors to be both sure and steadfast so that they can find refuge from the storm. We've talked a lot about storms. We talked about a storm last week on the song that we looked at. Many people have storms in their life. Many people have challenges, difficulties. As I said last week, the Bible nowhere tells us that life is going to be fair, that there's not going to be struggles, that there's not going to be trials. They're going to be there. And there are many people out there in the world that are looking for that hope. Contrary to what a lot of people want to believe, that hope is found in Christ Jesus. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. That by two immutable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which endureth or entereth into that within the veil. Whether the forerunner is for us he entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That hope, that hope that we have is what keeps us anchored and steadfast and sure. You take away hope. Take away hope out of your life and realize how miserable life becomes. I've seen stories that have been told where cities, families, different things, individuals, where they, their hope was taken away and it was devastating on those people. We need hope. And God gives us that hope. And that hope is what anchors us and keeps us steadfast. According to the third stanza, it reminds us that being such lights is a great responsibility that we have. The song says, Trim your feeble lamp, my brother. Some poor seaman tempest-tossed, trying now to make the harbor in the darkness may be lost. A lamp trimmer had a great responsibility. The responsibility that they had was to trim the wick 
in such a way that it would burn evenly without hot spots so that it would not need attention again for a great deal of time. It wasn't to be a ragged wick. It needed to be trimmed and it needed to be done right. The lamp trimmer also had the responsibility of making sure that the oil reserves were full. And so that if it needed more oil, it was there and it was ready. In other words, the lamp trimmer had a responsibility to make sure that that light kept burning like it was supposed to. When lit, that wick would burn cleanly all the way to the highest flame that it would make. And that flame would be at least the width of the wick and even, and as I said, not ragged. The point was that it was to be a consistent flame a quality flame, so that it was to give off light to help those in the darkness to see. Again, some of those old things, some of those things that we we sing about, we don't see so much today. But we see pictures, and I know I have some lamps at my house, and I know I have some lanterns at my house that have that wick that needs to be trimmed. And you see the importance of it. But most of the time, we just go in and flip a switch. And we don't really appreciate some of the pictures that are in some of these songs. But that person that was a lamp trimmer had a great responsibility. That's the song's trying to point out you and I have a great responsibility. For the Christian, this represents preparing our lives so that we can be ready to serve our Master. If you have your Bible, turn over to Matthew the 25th chapter. In Matthew, the 25th chapter, we find there the parable that Jesus gives us of the ten virgins. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves." And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him in the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterwards came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. That lamp trimmer had a great responsibility. They needed to make sure that that light that that lantern was lit. The picture here that we see are people that were unprepared and those that were prepared. They had their lamps trimmed and they had extra oil, those that were wise and prepared. The story there is for us to have our lamps what they should be and to be prepared. Because the Lord is going to come and we're not going to know when. We're not going to be... Uh, uh, we don't have it on a calendar somewhere. But we know that He's going to return. And I ask you tonight, is your lamp trimmed? Because there may be some poor seamen, tempest-tossed, 
that would like the help that we could offer. You see, that could refer to those whose lives have been buffeted by the waves of lust, temptation, and sin while sailing in the darkness of this world. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In James chapter 1 and beginning in verse 13, let no man say when he is tempted that I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he with any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. Sin is something that we give into. It's a choice that you and I make. It's not like COVID that you may get just by being in contact with someone. Sin is a choice that we make ourselves. And the Bible tells us it's affected all of us. But that's poor seamen. Maybe trying to make the harbor. There are people that are out there that are lost. Destined for that place of eternal darkness. Brethren, we need to make it our goal to be the light that helps guide them to the harbor of safety so they will not be lost forever. That's a responsibility that you and I have. The Bible tells us that the fields are white unto the harvest, but the laborers are few. Why are there so few? Because many aren't letting their light shine so that people can see the hope that you have in your life and ask you questions concerning that hope. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, once again, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Revelation 21 and verse 8, but the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. We can find various lists that are in the Bible of people that are involved, that if they're involved with those sins, are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And so we need to make sure that in our own lives that we give those things up and let go of those things because we realize the price that it will cost us. The chorus of that song emphasizes the need for us to keep our lamps ready and burning. It says, let the lower lights be burning. Send a gleam across the wave. <clears throat> Some poor fainting, struggling seamen. You may rescue. You may save. Of course, we realize that the only true spiritual light comes from God's Word. In Psalm chapter 119, verse 105, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. It's important that we read God's Word and we study it. And we understand it. And we know what He's trying to teach us. We need to dig in and, and make sure that we know. Don't rely on someone else just to tell us. Because as I said earlier, our soul is too valuable to trust it in the hands of someone else. Look for yourself and study what God's Word tells us. And do it with an open heart and an open mind because His Word is a lamp to our feet if we will allow it to, be, to do so. But the way that we shine that light to others 
is to make sure that our lives are good examples of the teachings of God's Word. Let them see that example. Let them see that God is living in you. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, and verse 12, it says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Paul said that to Timothy. And I believe that those words would apply to every single one of us to be an example of the believer, be an example of Christ to people that are out there in the world, the people that you come in contact with, to family members, to friends, and to look for opportunities to teach the Word to others. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, And the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. We need to share that Word. We need to study so we know it. So we can help someone that's lost to avoid the pitfalls of life so that they can have salvation themselves. And so we realize that each child of God must recognize his own personal responsibility to let the lower lights be burning. <clears throat> Years ago, I visited a lighthouse. <clears throat> and we took a guided tour as we went through. And the guide told us about the lighthouse. He told us how many crystals were in that light, how strong and how powerful that light was. Told about the person that made it and how they built it and all the structures of the lighthouse. He took us out to the boathouse and he showed us the boat and what they were supposed to do if they needed to save someone. They told us about the innkeeper, how he lived at that place, how he stayed at that residence. And when you seen the lighthouse, it was in perfect shape. Well-maintained, well-painted. It was perfect. I listened as a guy said that those that worked at the lighthouse, their responsibility several times a day was to take a light and go out and walk up and down the beach. And they would walk as far as four miles one way and come back and walk four miles the other way and come back. And then they would do that again throughout the day. And the purpose of doing that was to look out and to look into the water and saw, see if they saw any debris or anything that would indicate that there had been a shipwreck. And as well maintained as that, that lighthouse was, and listening to all the work that had gone into it, of course, I had to ask the question. And I thought that it was the perfect question. I said, how many people did they save over the course of the existence of this lighthouse? And the answer was this. There's no record of us ever saving anyone. I thought all that work, all that effort, and never a soul that there was to be saved. But then I thought about it. Maybe they did save a soul. In fact, maybe they saved a lot of souls because they saw that lighthouse and they were saved because they listened 
to the warning and heeded the warnings of that lighthouse. Brethren, we have a responsibility that we need to let our light shine so that people can see that God is living in us. Let me say it in the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, "...ye are the light of the world." A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. We may get discouraged when we're trying to help. When we're trying to be that good influence, that good example. And it seems that no one is listening. Think of that lighthouse keeper who walked up and down that shore every day. Rain or shine, snow or ice, walking up and down just to see if there was someone that was in peril. We never know how much good we do. But I can guarantee you this, that if we're not the right example that our Lord wants us to be, if we're not the light that He wants us to be, then we're helping the the spirits in darkness. We're not doing what we're supposed to do. So I want to encourage us to let the lower lights be burning. You need to respond to the invitation. You can come and have a seat up here on the front row while we stand and sing.